Well, it's been a full morning already and wonderful worship, communion, just remembering Christ, his body and his blood shed for us so that we could gather as the body of Christ. Isn't it amazing that Jesus sacrificed himself, that we might be the body of Christ, that in his brokenness, we are made whole. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence here. Well, we're continuing our series in following the ways of Jesus, and uh, this morning I'm going to share briefly and shorten my message, Um, but I want to share on a restored garden um, and speak specifically about the authority and power that Jesus established in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God. Because I believe that the authority and the power that Jesus displayed in the kingdom of God, he passes on to the disciples in the early church. And he passes on to us as the church. You see, the kingdom of God was established in authority and power of the spirit. As Pastor Jen talked about last week, that when Jesus stood in the temple and he read the scroll, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news, to heal, to save, to deliver. And the same good news that Jesus spoke about, the same proclamation that Jesus made under the power of the spirit is available for us. And it's our responsibility our responsibility. The kingdom of God is like a garden and we have been given authority to tend and extend it. The kingdom of God is like a garden. You know, when I read the parables of Jesus, the stories of Jesus, he often refers to farming terms. He often refers to the world being a garden, the kingdom of God being a garden. And I couldn't help but be reminded of the garden of Eden Throughout Jesus' teaching, as he talks about seeds and plants, and and he talks about um, having this authority and expanding the kingdom of God, I couldn't help but think about Genesis chapter 1. And so our first point this morning is that authority is the freedom to act without hindrance. It's the freedom to act without hindrance. We all are given certain authority in certain places. And when you have authority, you have access. You have the ability to move freely. You have the ability to make changes, whether that's in your workplace or at home, in your family. As you have greater authority, hindrances are removed. Obstacles are removed from you acting freely. One of the first things that we see in the life of Jesus, in the ministry of Jesus, is that he walked in authority. He walked in power. We're first introduced to the concept of authority with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue it. The word subdue is the word dominion. 
The word subdue is actually the word dominate, but we're going to lighten it up a little bit because dominate doesn't sound great. We're going to say dominion. But the idea is that Adam and Eve were called to be fruitful, and fruitful means to multiply, and then they were called to expand the garden. You ever think about what was outside the Garden of Eden? What was out there? I think that outside the Garden of Eden, this is my opinion, you can agree or disagree if you want, outside the Garden of Eden, I believe there was an untamed and unruly land. There was ground that needed to be tamed, tended. And God said to Adam and Eve, it is your calling to multiply and to extend the garden, to expand the garden. And so the Garden of Eden was actually the kingdom of God. This kingdom that God gave to Adam and Eve, he said, I want you to multiply and I want you to take over the earth. I want you to fill the earth and I want you to have dominion over the earth. And so God's original design is that Adam and Eve would have dominion over the entire earth. Expanding the garden until it reached the whole planet. You believe it? <laughs> Wow, this is going to be fun. All right, everyone take a deep breath. Ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. When Sonia and I first moved into our first place, we moved into a very small apartment in central Coquitlam. And I don't know, it was about 500 square feet. It was a one-bedroom apartment. And when we moved into this apartment, we were not allowed to make any changes to the apartment. We simply paid rent, but we weren't allowed to make modifications because we didn't have the authority to do so. We could live in it, but we didn't have authority to make changes. The next place that we bought was a townhouse. It was in Westwood Plateau here. Um, and in this place, we actually moved in and we changed the carpets and we painted the walls, but we were also limited in our authority. We were only authorized to change some of the things within the walls, but we couldn't change electrical or plumbing or anything beyond the drywall because it was a townhouse and there was a strata. How many of you live in a, in a home like this, right? So you have authority, you know, to change your furniture and maybe change carpet and paint, but, but it's kind of limited to the inside of your walls. Well, then we bought our first home in Coquitlam, and actually the first day that we bought it, um, I demolished a whole bunch of stuff. I remember this. I, I was in the house. I, I don't even know if Sonia saw the house, um, you know, kind of in its completed stage as we turned it over. I think when she showed up, it was like partially demoed already. Um, but now I had the freedom and the authority to take down walls, to uh, change the plumbing, change electrical, just do whatever I wanted. But I was still limited, wasn't I? I couldn't like take over my neighbor's house and start demoing his place. I was limited because of the authority that was placed in me on the boundaries of my property. Well, we moved from there and, and now we, we live on a, on a bigger property. So we live on three acres now. And so now, as my authority has increased, I have more to be responsible for. I have more freedom. Obstacles are removed. Hindrances are removed. 
Um, I built a barn on this property. I'm currently in the process of taking down this enormous cedar hedge. Um, it's 20 feet wide by 20 feet tall, and, I, and I'm cutting it down with a chainsaw, and it's super fun. If you like playing with chainsaws, um, this week I think I'm going to have some fun if you want to come and chop down some trees with some chainsaws, and you'll get free pizza. Uh, so let me know. Uh, chainsaws and pizza. Like, that's the best kids' party you could ever go to. I mean, as a kid, I would have loved to go to a party that had chainsaws and pizza. Anyone else? Chainsaws and pizza, okay. And a chipper. A chipper, right? A big chipper. That's going to be fun too. You see, as my, as God gives me more responsibility, he gives me more authority. And Jesus says to us when he comes onto planet earth, he says something at the end of Matthew chapter 28. We've heard it a lot of times if we've been a Christian more than five minutes. He says, Go. He says, go, therefore, into all the world. Jesus is reestablishing the initial call on Adam and Eve's life to go, to expand, to take authority to new places. We have been given a responsibility in the spiritual realm. So the first thing that Jesus does in his ministry is he takes authority. He takes authority. Authority is not only, um, it's not only the freedom to act without hindrance. It's the power. It's the ability. Jesus comes to the town of Capernaum. Luke chapter 4, verse 31. And he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had, everyone say authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power. Everybody say authority and power. He gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus went down to Capernaum. Capernaum means confused jumble. Capernaum means disorder. Capernaum means a ruined city. Jesus steps into a city that needed to be put in order. Jesus steps into a city that needed to be taken from confusion to structure in the spiritual realm. 
And when Jesus began teaching, they, they heard his words and they said, wow, he teaches with authority. And Jesus was standing in the church and he's teaching and they're like, wow, he has great authority. But then something else happened. Jesus sees a demon possessed man. And this demon possessed man, the demon inside of, of this man sees Jesus and knows who Jesus is. And he says, you're the holy one. And Jesus says, be quiet. Come out of him. And what happens? The demon leaves. Then they don't say that he just has authority. It says that the people see this and they say he has authority and power. Jesus didn't just teach about the kingdom. He didn't just teach about deliverance. When Jesus opened his mouth and spoke and told this demon to be quiet, the demon was silenced. Because Jesus not only carries authority, he carries authority and power. He moves with freedom, without hindrances, and he moves with power and ability. If you listen to this message and you start to feel uncomfortable and you start to feel anxious or fearful or you be begin to get confused, you might actually need prayer for the oppression of the enemy. Because the enemy is not happy with this message. The enemy is never happy when we talk about deliverance. Because so much of North America is actually under the influence without realizing it. It's so subtle. But Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God with authority and with power. Later on in the chapter, it says that Jesus went to Simon's house. And Simon's mother-in-law was sitting on the couch with a fever. And Jesus told the fever to be gone. What I love about this is that Jesus begins in the church, but he ends up in the home. He begins preaching in the church. He begins deliverance in the church, and he ends up in the home. What happens here at this table should end up at your table. What happens inside the church needs to get out there into the community. See, Jesus stopped at the synagogue. He taught, he delivered, he healed, and he always went. Why did he go? He went because the commission on his life and the commission on our life is to expand the garden. So once this is healthy, the body of Christ is healthy. We go out into the world to expand the kingdom, to bring the kingdom where it isn't, to bring it to our workplace, to bring it to our homes, to our communities. You excited about that? 
we're not always excited about it because we were afraid. The reason we're afraid is because the authority and power that is upon us hasn't quite settled in yet. We think the enemy out there is stronger. Jesus established very early on, it's not that the enemy is nearly as powerful. The enemy just gets us as people to think he either doesn't exist, he's not active, or he just makes us afraid. And Jesus came to establish authority and power. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 to 25. We continue to read about Jesus establishing the work. He went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. How many diseases and sickness? Every, every sickness, every disease. News spread about him all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the regions across the Jordan followed him. See, Jesus treated sickness and suffering and pain like it was from the enemy. Do we? Small disclaimer. Can God use sickness? Absolutely. Can God use suffering? Absolutely. God can use anything he wants. But just because he uses it doesn't mean he causes it. See, the first thing Jesus established was that this kingdom I'm stepping into, this unruly garden, this untamed garden, this place that needs order, this I'm going to bring order. In other words, I'm going to bring ease where there is disease. I'm going to bring peace where there is fear. I'm going to bring healing where there is sickness. I'm going to bring deliverance where there is demon possession. The main theme throughout Jesus' ministry, what is documented in the scripture, is that Jesus confronted sickness, demonic oppression, as if it was from the enemy. Jesus didn't preach, kind of, sort of, every once in a while, maybe, eh, good news. He preached good news. What's good news for all? Can you imagine turning on the news tonight at 6 p.m. and it being good news? Can you imagine if we turned on a news... 
6 p.m. news. Oh, you're not going to believe it. We've got miracles happening. We've got this happening. We've got that happening. We, you know, schools are being transformed. Kids are getting straight A's. I mean, the government is handing out paychecks. You know what? We're canceling income tax this year. We're just going to cancel it because we just got good news for you. And guess what? You know, Johnny, he was struggling, but his neighbor helped him out and brought restoration to that relationship. And hey, we've got these marriages that are restored and, and people are on fire for God. And can you imagine? That's the good news that Jesus came to establish. And then we, we kind of go, ah, eh, it's not really for me. Like, I'm just going to keep doing my thing and watching 6 p.m. horrible news every day, every day. And Jesus stepped into that jungle. He stepped into a world that there was demon possession. There was sickness. There was suffering. There's broken relationships. There's prodigal sons and daughters. Jesus stepped into that reality and he said, I have come to establish a new kingdom. A garden. Oh, and by the way, this garden was my initial plan. When God created Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful, multiply. Now, I think God meant reproduction physically, but he also meant authority, power. Adam and Eve, take this message Take this garden. You've seen the kingdom. You've seen its goodness. You've seen what, it can, be, what can be possible. It's a heaven on earth reality. And, and Adam and Eve, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and subdue and take over the planet. And Jesus came to establish this in the kingdom of God. And the people were amazed at his teaching. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Man, I don't want to be known as a teacher of the law. I don't want to be known as somebody that just, that just can teach well, preach well. I don't want to be known as one who tickles ears, makes people comfortable, and everybody goes, that was a great speaker. I don't want somebody to just say, wow, he's a great entertainer. If there is not power and authority demonstrated through the life of a pastor, do not follow them. They're a teacher of the law. They could be really good. They might have memorized the whole Torah. But the thing about Jesus that was different is when he taught, there was people touched and healed. And I know the tendency is, okay, let's sit back and let's, let's watch Joel do all this stuff. Let's watch Jen and Keaton do all this stuff. They're the pastors. So are you. I look out and I see followers of Jesus here. We're not fans, we're followers. You're a follower of Jesus. And because you follow Jesus, guess what's going to follow you? 
signs and wonders. Because the Bible says, you could disagree with me, but the Bible says that signs and wonders follow those that believe. Sometimes I hear people say, Joel, don't follow the signs and wonders. I'm like, obviously, I don't follow the signs, they follow me. That's what's supposed to happen. Signs and wonders are supposed to follow us. Why? Because, again, I've probably said it a thousand times, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is where? It's in us. Is there a junior Holy Spirit? No. We're called and commissioned to expand the kingdom, to extend the garden. I'll close with this. It's getting a little hot in here. Matthew chapter 23, verse 1 to 4. Jesus said to the crowds and to the Pharisees, or to his disciples, sorry. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on people's shoulders. And they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Oh, I want to hear that at a pastor's conference. Jesus was the ultimate rabbi. Because with Jesus, you could follow what he said and what he did. So when Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, 8, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, and cast out demons, he meant it for all of us. He meant it for all of us. And so the idea is that our lives would be represented this way. The kingdom of God is a realm of God's will. The kingdom of God is not heaven. It's actually heaven on earth. That's why Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is God's will on earth. The heavenly garden on earth is demonstrated through the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The heavenly garden on earth is demonstrated through social justice, feeding the poor and clothing the needy. The heavenly garden on earth is restoration and reconciliation in relationships. The heavenly garden on earth is families that are healthy, workplaces where people hear the gospel and experience the gospel. The heavenly garden on earth is transformed government, media, education, and entertainment. You see, the gospel has an effect. It is not words only. 
It is power. It's authority. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's of power. First Corinthians 4.20. And so if you're like me, you're going, ah, oh, this hurts. What do I do? What do I do with this message, Joel? All you can do is be curious and be open to how God wants to use you. We can all be curious and open. We can all pray to the Lord even now. And we can say, Lord, I pray that you would show us we're not all the same. We're not all in the same spheres of influence. We're not all in the same family situation. Some of us are perfectly healthy, Lord, and some of us are struggling with terminal illness, Lord. Some of us are, are wrestling mentally and some of us are wrestling emotionally, Lord. And, and so, Father, I, I pray even now, I pray even now that as we pray, I pray that you would show each of us the areas that you want us to take authority over in our own life. The areas in our own life, Lord, where we need to see your power move and shift and have an effect, Lord. I pray that you would show us, Lord, the relationships that need healing in our life. Restoration, Lord. We, we bring all of these before you, Lord. And I ask even now, Lord, that you would bring the sweet presence of your spirit to guide us, to convict us, Come, Holy Spirit. Reveal areas of brokenness. Areas in our life that need weeds pulled. <laughs> areas in our life that need pruning. I just see the Father pouring out solutions to problems that you've struggled with for a long time. I just bless those solutions, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I bless that hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, 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 amen.